out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastor. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the bass player Arturo Bassett, one-time member of the Lurkers, but now in 999. This is the interview, so after several minutes of interesting but casual chat, we get down to that exciting subject that was the early formative years. He's going to tell us everything and more. But anyway, the first question was that musical awakening. Arturo, take it away. Well, what it was 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 that um, my brother, who's about I'm 66, he's about 14 years older than me. He was in a band called the, the Deltones that supported the high numbers, which was the Who, before they were the Who. And um, he taught me a few chords on the guitar, and that got me interested. Um, I wasn't really that interested in music until I was about 13 or 14. Um, and I went to see John Mayall at the Albert Hall. Then all through the early 70s, I was watching... I saw Genesis supported by Roxy Music, The Hobbit's Garden, Wimbledon with 40 people there. I got into all the early, you know, the Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, Rory Gallagher, 10 years after, prog rock. Um, and I liked ska music. Well, I liked old blue beat music and reggae music because when 1969, 1971, I was 13, 14, 15, I was a little skinhead, you know, so that was music. That, uh, so that was all kinds of music. I went into the blues in a big way and uh, not particularly jazz, but I like prog rock very much, more the obscure side of it. Right. So I think it's all through my brother, really, because my mum and dad weren't musical. Yes, it's always interesting. We, having... had, we had no music at home. I mean, we didn't have a record player. Uh, you know, my brother left home when I was uh, very young, and we, we never had a record player. So my mum and dad weren't into music at all. No, that's a, that's amazing. They were, they were old enough to have gone to the music hall. That's where they used to go to in Fulham. Yes. To see, uh, you know, people prior to Max Miller. You know, they, my mum and dad would be in their early hundreds now if they were alive. You know. So yeah, that, that, that's uh, that's it really. Probably my brother Paul. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, an older brother. Now it's interesting because I spoke to somebody today who, I mean, they sort of said they had five older brothers and sisters, and they all had a you know a bit of a musical variation, which was kind of really what set them on their path to where they went to. And I had an older brother who was seven years older who was into the prog rock world with, yeah, yeah. you know, so I, you know, this, the world of Genesis and uh, especially Yes, I loved Yes and Barclay James Harvest and Wishbone Ash and um, the solo work of Rick Wakeman were all there, but mixed with Deep Purple and Black Sabbath, which was great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, with you, so when you were listening to Chris Squire, or did you sort of start hearing things that you thought, oh, that's quite nice or like... Um, no, like... I didn't really like Yes. I like Gentle Giant and Gentle. Caravan and Camel. Right. And Egg. <laughs> I wasn't really into Yes or Genesis. But no, no, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wasn't a uh, person who uh, was a avid music musician, even though I could play a bit. I, until I joined the Lurkers in 1977. I mean, I, I'd not played the bass before I joined the Lurkers. They advertised for... A, well, I went into the Beggar's Banquet record shop in North End Road, Fulham, where they used to rehearse underneath, and their manager at the time, Mike Stone, 
um, uh, uh, said he, oh, I manage a punk band, and he said it was the Lurkers. I said, I'd seen them at the Roxy two weeks before supporting the jam. I thought they were dreadful. He said, no, 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 dreadful. They need a new bass player. Can you play the bass? I said, well, I can play the guitar a bit. And because I kind of looked the part, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, come down and do an audition, which I did, and I only played two songs. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, you're in. So they <laughs> the guy out and that's how I started playing bass I mean I didn't I wasn't really aware of bass I, 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 when, when I was listening to all the, the music really uh, early music I was listening to the lead guitarist you know yeah absolutely I mean it's interesting how many people managed to sort of make that leap Lemmy from you know made that leap and I think one of the members of Jimi Hendrix experience was a rhythm guitarist and got stuck on bass didn't he so um, and then a lot of punk bands like Barry Adamson you know p- punk musicians who were in to, I think magazine, you know, didn't really know much, but they could just sort of sit there and do it. And Jar Wobble, I think, was the same, wasn't he? He he was sort of quite a basic, you know, bass player. Oh, yeah, I mean, I called myself Arturo Basic, even though my name's Arthur Billingsley. Arturo is Italian for Arthur, so it sounds a bit a bit flasher than Arthur. And Basic was just because I played the bass basically. Yes, and then and then, but you were obviously at the the right place at the right time because um, punk. Oh, yeah, well, I lived in. Um, I, I moved to Carmarthen in, in Wales in a hot summer of '76, and I was only there just on the dole, pissing about with my mate Mick, and you know, just just get, you know, going to the pub and being on the dole basically, and then my friend Dave Trugana came down to visit me. He said, oh, Art, you know, you've got to come up to London again. There's this thing called punk rock happening. And me and him and a couple of his mates were following the Stranglers. So I moved back in October 76. And the first punk band I ever saw was Chelsea. And they were supporting the Stranglers at the Nashville Rooms in West Kensington. And from that day on, I saw the Stranglers 36 times in four months. And... We, we we were their big their first following before the Finchley boys, in fact, because um, and then I you know I, I, in uh, what was it May seventy seven that I um I, I joined the Lurkers, you know, and, and I saw all the early punk bands uh, uh, around that time. Yeah, living in living in London, yeah, I was I was out seven nights a week. It's fantastic. Well, absolutely, that was um, so. Yes, Gen- and, Gentle Giant was kind of going kind to of be a thing of the past, really, wasn't it? Well, I sold four hundred albums in nineteen seventy seven, just to finance you know my old stuff. It seemed to be like I didn't want to hear it anymore um, I, I, because I was twenty one. To me, being in the punk scene was fantastic. You know, absolutely fantastic. And I, so I sold all these records just to just to. Um, Finance my seven nights a week gig going and boozing. <laughs> <laughs> and then but I rebought a lot of them <laughs> later on at great expense and realised how much I do like them, you know. Yes, absolutely. There's, um, there's a craft. I know, I see, uh, is it Steve Jones and the Sex Pistols often strumming his guitar playing Steely, Steely Dan numbers? And, um... Oh, he loved them. He loved, it. he loved all that stuff. But, I mean, a lot of the people who are in early punk bands, they. they 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 loved the music from before. I mean, it's just the punk was a thing that started happening, and um, people, you know, we all sort of said, you know, oh, we're into this now. That other stuff is a load of old man's shit, you know, a load of old hippie crap. But 
secretly, nearly everybody loved it, really, loved their influences. Yes, absolutely. You know, you can, that period between 14 and 18, where you sort of, well, you know, the 14 to 16 year old period is, is just the glorious for music. It's the one that you stick with, you know, for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, people tend to stick with the music that influenced them most as a, as a, as a, as a young, per, very young person. I mean, and that's what I've done because, to tell you the truth, I don't play hardly any punk music. You know, I might play. My favourite band was always the Ramones. You know, um, and and the early singles. Oh, you've gone. Do you come back? Oh shoot! Fantastic, Donny Moped singles and mem- the members and you know early stuff because uh, everyone was really different. And once it about nineteen eighty came along, it just became tuneless ramalama sort of let's be motorhead but faster with no tunes in my opinion so i that that, that my lost i lost interest yes well you were you were there for the with the lurkers for that first single weren't you which was was it first um, two singles, yeah. yes and what was um i mean and did you do a john peel session with the band or had you so I did first one yeah and what was what was your memories yeah. of that like well, it was great. I mean, we went in there. We went in there very long. And Buffin, who was the drummer of Mott Hoople, was uh, a producer on the, on the session, you know. And we went to Maid of Out to do it. And, uh, well, we just bashed it out as we did. We were all very inept musicians, really. I mean, and we and we just did it. And what me and Esso, the <laughs> drummer, liked was that the, the BBC canteen was so cheap, we ended up having two dinners. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The skinny ones in the group didn't care about food, but me and the drummer did, and there were some funny incidents. I mean, we, we were only 13 and a half stone, 13 stone then, Back in '77, when we were 21, and people used to say, "Oh, you're too fat to be in a punk band and all this stuff." So uh, it was quite funny, really. Yeah, well, that was six. That was six stone ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. You know. So then, two singles came out, which was um, "Shadow" with the B side of was it "Love Story," yeah. and then yeah, right. and then "Freak Show." Yes, and my song on the B side, which was Mass Media Believer, yes. which I credited to the Lurkers. Yes. So they all wrote it, they didn't, I did. But I got disillusioned. I was right, I wanted to write more sort of like political sort of stuff. I was a bit of an angry young man, you know, and uh, the Lurkers really were more in a sort of, you know, uh, fun sort of thing, bits of, with, with some. A few weird lyrics and that, but in general, kind of rock and roll band, you know. And I, I wanted to play guitar again, not bass. So I, I left after the second single and formed a group called Pinpoint. Right. This is your next musical. Was, yeah, yeah. That was managed by um, the Stranglers Management, uh, Albion Management. And we did one album with Martin Russian and put out three singles. What was but it like? What was it like working with Martin? Oh, I hated him. Yeah, I could. It was really big-headed and and rude, and uh, he didn't give me any confidence whatsoever. He just undermined me. It was dreadful. Yeah, that's um. I mean, at that stage, had you met bands like Wasted Youth at this stage? Had, had no, they... no. 
Because I think um, yeah, Amer- America band weren't they? No, they were from London, and they had a they had a sort of a lot of connection. There was a guy called Rocco who was in it, and Ken Scott. And no, I just... I don't, I, no, I've heard the name. I thought they were. I'm thinking the Sonic Youth. No, no, they they broke up quite quickly actually. But I think they they had uh, Martin Russian sort of producing theirs. I think it was him, and they yeah, did. Yeah, well, <laughs> Martin Russian for me ruined Pinpoint. Because we were just a three-piece, but he'd he'd, he'd uh, discovered this new Lynn drum and micro composing and all this. And oh god, our album took four months to make, and it had a synths all over it. And oh god, I hated it. Yes, yeah, so... I like it in retrospect, but I, at the time I really didn't like it. And I didn't um... like him, and we only done two gigs after that. After we made that album, we split up. Crikey, yes. That's that's the one that starts with family life and then finishes with drowning in, in the wave of life. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you know your stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of their kind, they were very good. I thought, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. No. I mean, the first single we put out was was uh, produced by Vic Mail, who you know done um, Motorhead and yeah. School and all, or and Eddie and Rods and all that, and it and it was called Enrichment. It was on the Albion label, and it was that's more how I wanted us to be, like you know. But I didn't really have a lot of say in it then because I was going through a very bad period mentally, and I just caved in, you know. Yes. I didn't stand up for myself and put. <laughs> put my foot down with a firm hand. <laughs> so, what was was Vic okay to work with? A very, very quiet, unassuming bloke. No, um, but yeah, he was good to work with. He yeah. was very good. I know that um, the first two Motorhead albums were amazing, and then they have issues, don't they? So, um, as most bands yeah. do. So, then the early eighties. I mean, this is a period of the Falkland War. You were talking about being political, the Falkland War, and the miners' strike, and Greenham Common. So, we were all thinking we were going to die. What was what was your next kind of stage or musical sort of part of the journey? Well, the next, the next thing I did, I had a band for a very short period of time that made one single called the the Blazing uh, Sorry, the Lucky Saddles, which sounds like a country group, but it wasn't. Um, we made one single called Both Be Here Today, um, which obviously absolutely flopped. And um, I split that group up. Then the next thing I did for five years was the Blubbery Hellbellies. Mm. Now, the Blubbery Hellbellies were part of the cowpunk kind of movement, along with my sister's band, the Boot Hill Foot Dappers, the men they couldn't hang, um, the Pogues a bit, but they were doing more an Irish thing. But the Blubbery Hellbellies was... Uh, was uh, Four big fat lads um, doing, <laughs> doing sort of country rock and roll. Well, we do really anything, you know. We, we we were a comedy spoof kind of band, you know. But we we wrote we made three al- three albums, and uh, that went on for five years. And we're doing about 150 to 200 gigs a year all over the country and all over Europe, you know. Well, yes, I could imagine Europe loved it actually because um, well, they did. It, it was very, very good. We made an album for Virgin in Germany, uh, which was the last thing we did. And we went on tour with Die Totenhosen, the huge uh, um, German punk band. Yeah, well, that was interesting. I just did an interview with a guy last week who, John Caffrey, who went from, you know. Dawn... Yeah, no, John, he's my mate. Yeah. Oh, crikey. He, well... he, he produced um, that. That album that I just said, 
shooting and steaming. He was he was on the controls. He was the man, was he? I'm blimey, because I just I did this interview, and he's you know because he just went over to Germany and hasn't looked back and Europe and and when you mentioned that band, I thought, oh, that's that's an interesting oh, connection. John done the first. Ten albums or something, maybe more. Yeah, I think he got up to um, a decade ago, and then you know they went. Yeah, they, they wanted to, they wanted a change. Amazing. They wanted they wanted a change. Well, what, know, so what, what what's, um, what's your sister's name in the Bootfield Foot Tap? Wendy May. Oh God, I've done an interview with her. <laughs> Have you? Yeah, I did an interview. With yeah, her. Well, when, well, her name is Wendy May Billingsley, but everyone comes up to me and says, "Are you Arthur May?" I said. No, I'm half a brilliant scene. They said, yeah, but we know your sister. They thought May was her surname, you see. It's not. It's yeah. Not. Did you um, Did you know any of the members of the Redskins by any chance? Cause I, I, I no, said, I didn't know them. No. I, I think, never met any of them. No, I think she said that one of the neighbours or someone in her area was one of the members. And I thought, oh, that's very exciting, actually. Yeah. Now. There's a lot of people who've done that way. I mean, the Redskins, yes, yeah, well, she'd done a lot of gigs with them with the tablets, yeah. I would imagine so. Yes, so shooting and the steaming was your... Because up to then you were on uptight records, weren't you? And then it was... Um... That's, that's correct, yeah. We made uh, Flabbergasted, which is a really good album. It's got Boz Borer on it. Oh, uh, it was in the polecat. Yes. Boz obviously has been with Morrissey for years. Um, Decades. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 30 odd years. And, um, you know, people like Slim, who's in... Um, Stray Cats. Been in many things. Slim was in Boot Hill Foot Tappers, Blubbery Old Bellies. He's played with Ian Jury, Wilco Johnson. You know, he's done loads of stuff, Slim. Yes. Um, and Gary Mayle, John Mayle's son, Gary Mayle, played piano on, that, on, a, on the album. And, yeah, there were some good people. Blimey. Oh, yeah, and I guess you would have worked with people like Wilco Johnson or definitely supported people like Wilco and that scene. Well, we didn't, actually. We didn't play with him at all, no. Oh, fair enough. Did Slim Slim play with him, though? Yeah, but only sort of guesting, you know, now and again. Right, it's quite it a it's quite a community it's quite a community kind of vibe you've got here. Because did you know members of the Bell Stars as well? Were they part of your social? No, no I, I met Jenny a few times because we used to rehearse down at Alaska Studios in Waterloo, where she did as well with the Bell Stars. But I didn't always ever say hello to her, a little bit of a chat. So I didn't know any of them. No, no. Because the eighties, I mean, that was the decade that I, you know, loved because I was at that certain age. So most of it, were, you know, I was kind of listening to John Peel and, you know, sort of being amazed with the world of indie pop. And then he played, you know, reggae and African music and Bulgarian yeah, yeah. folk. So that was that was all yeah. sort of such a nice period. But the eighties, you know, there seemed to be a lot of good bands. And but then, sort of as the eighties progressed, sort of eighty eight time, you know, the music scene changed again, and ecstasy came comes along, which kind of changes a lot of people's kind of um, view oh, of Oh, God, it. yeah. I mean, we went to sort of like that groovy sort of Stone Roses and Happy Mondays sort of groovy, let's, you know, we're hippies, like yeah. almost hippies. It didn't really do much for me, I must say. Um, because by that time, by the year 1987, I got the Lurkers back together with me as a singer because Pete Stride, who wrote nearly all the songs for the Lurkers, didn't want Howard Wall, the original singer, to be even approached to come back, which I doubt he would have done anyway. 
so it became that I went on to lead vocals. Pete Stride obviously played guitar, and we got Nigel Moore in, who was actually the first bass player of the Lurkers, but he only done about four gigs, and they threw him out for me back in 77, which is a bit weird anyway. And Esso, the original drummer, played the only the first come the comeback gig in Dusseldorf in March 87. And then he went off to uni- university as a mature student and we got a look-alike in who was with the blubbery hellbillies with me called Dad Tozer, who when we went out playing, it was like, S.O., oh, I'm great to see you. He said, oh, I'm not S.O., yes, you are. You were always mucking about. You're S.O. He got pissed off with it. <laughs> <laughs> so then, then, and then, you know, after a short while, Nigel Moore left and then 26 years ago, maybe 27 years ago, Pete Stride didn't want to do it anymore, the lurkers, so I carried it on and Pete was pissed off about it, but um, I said, well look Pete, you know, I've got it all back together, I do everything, I drive the van, I get the, sell the merchandise, I get the record deals, I get the gigs, and I'm making a living out of it now, and you don't need to be make a living out of it because you live with your parents who don't want any money off you, and you haven't got a car, you haven't got any responsibility. Oh, it's a travesty, you doing it without me. I said, well, you want to leave? I said, I want to work hard, and I'm not giving up because you want to give up. I've got, yeah, I've got bills to pay, I've got responsibilities. So I carried it along, carried it on, and done so many gigs and everything, and... Uh, you know, some people didn't like it, but a lot of people did. So I, I just carried on and made another five or six, seven, eight, eight albums as the Lurkers. Yes. I've given up now, of course. I've stopped that altogether now. Yeah. So you did, make... you did Wild Times, then it was kind of going into things like Live and Loud. The King, then King... it was Live and Loud. King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain was a mini album. Then we had Ripped and Torn in 95, I think it was. Yeah. Power right. was 1990. Yeah. And then the last one I'd made was about 12 years ago was um, Fried Brains. Fried Brains, blimey. So you really did keep it happening, didn't you? you, you oh, yeah. You did sort of, yeah. you, you put yourself out. But, but, but the first album we made after Pete Stride left, I got him involved, and he wrote five or six, maybe seven songs. It was really good. But he hasn't played a gig live since. He he just not interested, and he's he never liked playing live. Yes, well there you go. He's a bit like Brian Wilson. Make, they do make records as the Lurkers, So Nigel and Pete, uh, but they never play live. Yes, but, um, but I. I don't do the Lurkers live anymore, so I'm, I'm, you know, I just play some on online. Yeah, god damn. I do a, a solo, solo, blubbery hellbellies type thing, you know, cow punk, right, as I call it, punctry and western. <laughs> <laughs> as that is big, big Art Peters, because my middle name's Peter, so it's like Arthur Peter Billingsley, I thought sounded doesn't sound quite country, but big Art Peters does, so that's what I, I go out as. Yeah. Did you manage to navigate that interesting world of kind of, I don't know, ownership of the music, like publishing and stuff like that, having done so many records for the Lurkers? Did you sort of go, right, this is, my, this is me now and whoever's in the band? Did you sort of know how to sort of navigate that kind of murky little, you know? Well, 
No, in general, it was just uh, sold the publishing for next to nothing to who, whoever wanted it, which was, you know, people like um, Captain Oi bought the publishing on certain things. So, no, I, I've never really made any money from any record I've sold, I've made. No, royalties. It's just always just kind of under recouped what the record company have put spent on it. You know, in in the recording and the manufacturer, blah blah blah. Um, so the only way I've ever made uh, any money is by playing live and selling the merchandise, t-shirts at gigs. You know. Yes. Regarding royalties, I mean, I, I got eighty, seventy pounds, and a bass amplifier when I left the Lurkers first off in 77 and I've never been accounted to for anything that I played on which sold very very well at the time and the recording of Shadow and Freak Show was was, was pennies really compared with how many it sold so I would be owed, owed something but I've approached Beggar's Banquet and they just fobbed me off they fogged me off, and I don't have enough money like most musicians to hire an auditor to look at the books. You know, and it costs me more to look at the books than I might even get. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a weird world. You know, dribbles of money of things. Oh, are you still there? Oh. Yes, you just went slightly, after you said dribbles of money, that slightly, there was a pause or a silence. But anyway, you're back, aren't you? Oh my God, don't go. Sorry? I said, after you mentioned, you're still there. Oh, good. It just went silent for a few seconds and then there was a weird noise. Ah. You probably... No. Right, that's fine. I can hear you good. Oh, good, good. So then, so the, the obviously the lurkers. So when did you did you do nine 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 alongside the lurkers at this stage? Yes, I did until three years ago. And then that was when you gave the lurkers. You you did your yeah. Zip. Well, the last gig I done was March two thousand and nineteen, and that's when uh, it was lockdown happened just after that, so you couldn't play. Um. So when we could play again, I, basically I've done it for you know more or less for forty five years playing music. I've only really worked God for about five years in what you could call normal salary jobs, and that was so long ago um, that um, I got to the point where I just didn't want to be on the road all the time playing with either nine 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 or the lurkers out every weekend. It's the travelling just pisses me off. So now 909 are only doing about 30 to 5, 40 gigs a year. It's enough for me. It's enough for all of us. Yes. We don't want to go and do 150 gigs. I mean, it just takes it out of us too much. We're all getting on in our late 60s and early 70s and 909, and we, 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 we still enjoy playing, but we don't want to be out all the time. Absolutely, yes. So what albums were you... Did you work with Martin Rushett again? No, 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 no. No, Martin Rushett had nothing to do with the 999 after the very early days. Um, No, I've played on the last... 999 aren't exactly prolific, but I've played on, I think, five studio albums now. Right. Um, Yeah. That that's that's it. In the thirty-two years I've been in nine nine nine, I think there's only been five, five albums. And did you talk extensively, you know, Europe and America with nine nine nine? No, we've done a lot in the Europe. 
But um, their sort of um, heyday in America, they hadn't played them. When we did play America uh, with me for the first time, it had been a good 20-odd years since they'd been over there. And um, we didn't do an extensive tour. We just done East and West Coast, you know. Uh, and we've been back twice since then, but it's another thing of the distances in between playing and all the rest of it. It's just... And you got to remember that Nick and Guy were, were in a band, obviously in the band, Nick Cash and Guy days, when they were pulling really, really well. And uh, I think if you leave something for 20 years, it can work to a great degree if those if the people go, wow, you haven't been for someone, we've got to come out and see you. Or they've just forgotten about you, and a lot of the attendances weren't that great. So we were a bit loath. We get offered to go to America and that, but we're not... We're not really bothered. Yes. Did you ever do um, Las Vegas, the the punk bowling? No. No, we got offered it for this year. Right. I would have gone, but uh, Nick didn't want to go. Nick had a bit of heart problems, and flying isn't particularly a good thing when you've had that. So there's also a massive amount of insurance he needs because of... um, to come out of a damn money for, for for medical stuff if anything happens. So, we, yeah, we we didn't we didn't go. We didn't we, we turned it down. Yeah, well, I know that from those forms. If you if you have to tick something like you've been to a doctor's or hospital in the last few years, you just oh, yeah. you 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 don't just kind of get to the back and just put your signature and the date. You then have to fill in a complicated system and then. Well, Robert Nick's over seven. You know, he's seventy three now, and then he, you know he. You do slow down. That's just the way it is, you know. Yeah, but Charlie up is seventy-eight. But we're all different, you know. Everyone's at the same level of health, you know. Because people just think, because he's doing it, you can do it. That's just ridiculous, you know what I mean? But Charlie's now done his final European mainland tour, you know, uh, just finishing. Well, he's on it at the moment, you know. But bless him, he's seventy-eight, you know. Oh, that's amazing. So when you when you went back. And, you know, we're in 99 doing the last five studio albums. Was the first one of those, Death in Soho, was that the the one? No, no, no. You, you, Us, It was the first one. Right. And then we had Takeover. Yeah. Oh, God, my memory's terrible. The the Takeover, and then... Did you do Dancing in the Wrong Shoes? No, 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 that was well before... English that Wipeout? Was... No, no. Live at Nashville? No. And then Dark Death in Death in Soho. Yeah, well, emergency, I think. It was that was a we went in the studio and recorded twenty nine old songs in about four days for some oh I can't remember even what the label was. It sounded pretty good though, it turned out well. Yes. And we've had um Death in Soho, now we've got Bish Bash Bosh. On Cleopatra. Which I can't believe is three years old nearly now as well. But, yes. And because in, in one of the the earlier one, the death in in Soho, you had was it the famous Pat Collier engineer in that one? Oh yeah, yeah, we done it at his studio. Because I know a lot uh, yeah. loads of loads of bands have been using Pat. It's a lovely fella. Yes. Everyone and loves yeah, I mean, Coxborough have done, done stuff there and uh, loads of people. Um, yeah. 
with Pat. I've known Pat for years. I've known all these people for years. I mean, all the old bands that are still going and ones that aren't still going. I've you know, I met them all personally, apart from I've never met anyone in the Pistols or the Clash, but I've met every you know, all the others. Yes, absolutely. Well, and we played a lot of we play a lot of the same things, you know, festivals and that, you know. Because coming up for this year, 2023, you've got live dates, haven't you? Quite a few gigs. Well, we've only got about 30 at the moment. I book the gigs, you see. I book the gigs. I, I sort of manage the group. I book the gigs. And is it the... Oh, I was just going to... God, it doesn't... It's not loading. Um, your gig front, do you have the Rebellion Festival that takes place in dear old Blackpool? Is that one of the ones you go to? Look, we've done every year for 27 years. Before it was called Rebellion, it was Wasted. Before it was called Holidays in the Sun. Nine and nine have done every single year, but we're not doing this year. Hmm. Is it... Um, God, I was just going to say, is that because you just had enough, or did they not... No, not at all. Look, when you, when you know what other people are getting, and they're getting four times more than you, and they don't get 3,000 people watching them like we do every single year... Right. Yes. I'm not playing for a, a quarter of what other bands get, who only play with like six or seven hundred people when they when they play there. So we're basically, uh, um, you know, we ask for a, we ask for a, a comparable amount of money to certain other bands, which we, we all talk. We know how much we get. Uh, everyone gets. You know, what I mean, even though the uh, organisers have told certain people. Do not tell anybody how much you get. <laughs> we, we know. So we asked for a, a comparable amount of money, and they said no. So I'm not I'm not doffing my cap and coming home with 100 quid for something that, you know, basically, after being up there for a couple of days, we're paying for your own hotel and, and drink and whatever. It's just taking a piss. So I, I'm not, I personally am not doing it. Yeah. And the rest of the not doing it. I'm not surprised. That's that's a really bad show, isn't it, from the organisers? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't I don't book that gig. That that gig is booked by by somebody else in the group who has worked with uh, the promoter before I was in the group. So they always talk to each other. But it's basically underselling yourself and uh, being taken up for a mug. Yeah, that's not good. Then stand up for what you stood for. Put your foot down with a firm hand without as much as a buy your leave. I say, <laughs> Unity Rents Brothers. I'm on strike. This is true. Yeah, so you've got to you've got to keep it real. Are there any plans to go back in the studio in the next twelve months? Well, we're talking about doing an EP, but I don't write for nine nine nine, so I leave all the. Um, Songwriting side of it, and when we make albums, down to Nick and Guy. Yes. Why? Why do you when you know with the songwriting for the Lurkers? Doesn't that just can't you just think? Oh, that'll be fine. Nine 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 can have this, and we'll we'll still be able to pull it off and make it sound like nine nine nine. Well, that could happen, but Nick won't have it. Oh, right. This is quite odd. Yes, it's very odd. Yeah. Do you still have sort of band band moments, you know, which are sometimes a bit tense? Everyone does, but we have less now than we ever have had. It just toddles along 
in its own way, and there's very, very little um, uh, friction at all. Yes, I guess, you know, as, as, as everyone's approaching that 70s, and <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably not good for the heart, is yeah, it really? The young bloke in, he's 54 on drums. Oh, yes. We've got him on the YTS scheme. <laughs> you know, he's just in his train now. He's lovely. Stuart Meadows plays for us mainly. He also plays for Conflict. He's played for Resistance 77, the English Dogs. He's a great drummer, great bloke. Yeah. You know, Does we the put busy. him on the chimney now and again, being a youngster. If we need our chimneys swept, we put him up the chimney, you know. <laughs> Yes, it's quite it's quite sweet. I mean, if you could have said something to you like your sixteen year old self starting out in in music, is there any little words of, what, of advice or wisdom that you might have just said something to them? Well, not really, because I mean, the thing is, I don't regret anything I've done. But I'm, you know, I I, I could have possibly had a much more financial security if I hadn't just. Uh, gone into playing music um, because it's just never been something that uh, is such hit and miss. You know, it's not it, it, it's a it's not like getting a proper trade where you always make money out about being a plumber or something. I say get a trade behind you before you go out to, um, and do the gigs and that. You know, yes, the music at least you can fall back on that. But I've had nothing to fall back on apart from the dole when things were bad. God, that's um, yes, and then you one day you suddenly, I guess you can get, uh, claim you know pension now. Is that? Well, I do. I get my state pension. But I've got nothing else, you know. Yes, and the do pens, you? You can't really live off it. I know it's very it's very meagre, isn't it? I know we're all slightly getting more aware of the um, how much that means in reality. Do you sort of when you're sort of there at home? What do you what music do you listen to when you think actually I could just put some something on to enjoy? What what sort of? Oh God, I only really play music in the van, right? When I'm in the van, and that can range from anything: glam rock to hard rock to reggae to blues uh, to Oh God, folk! I like psychedelic music, all sorts. You know, it's the, the so eclectic. My favourite artists are like a lot of Gaelic, uh, Scottish, and Irish uh, Gaelic rock. I love Runrig, and I like Capacaley, and uh, I like folk stuff like Dick Gockman and. Jackie Levin, who's my favourite ever singer, who was in Doll by Doll, who's dead now, unfortunately. And, um, you know, it's just vast. Excellent. I do love my folk vast. music. Absolutely vast. Vast. And if someone was to say to you, look, what's what if you wanted to have a you know like discovered 999 or the lurkers or both what would you recommend you know record wise to sort of listen to this this is this is probably the best stuff we've ever done well i think um power jive which was the 1990 album um fried brains which is the last album and if you want really early stuff it would be the first album of course because the second album was, uh, well, in my opinion, there were a few good songs on it, but it was dreadfully produced. And uh, that was their last album they made for Beggar's Bank. They were tossed off the label. I wasn't in them then. 
uh, really, because Gary Newman was signed to them with Juve Army, and that became their big interest. And the second album kind of flopped um, uh, sales-wise, so they were thrown off. You know, yes. they went on to have some better records with uh, Mark Fincham, who became their second singer for the Clay label, which was um, owned by and run by Mike Stone, who was the original Lurkers manager before they were on Beggar's Banquet. He managed the band, but he formed the Clay label, which obviously had Discharge and GBH and people like that on on it. Crikey. Oh, yeah, they made some great singles uh, with Mark Fincham on vocals. Yes, absolutely. And um, for 999, what particular record or track do you, or, you know, like if you had to pick a couple, what would you sort of recommend on the, on the sort of 999 front? Well... Oh, apart from the, the big songs that most people know, and there's some absolutely fantastic songs like Tulsa on Nights, Waiting, Action, uh, Lust, Power and Money is a real good one. That's a, a song, of course, not an album title. But, you know, um, the first two albums, fantastic. Third one, not so great, Concrete and uh, The Biggest Prize in Sports. Some good songs. But really, I think the best stuff 999 have done since the early stuff is all the stuff that they've done in the last 32 years. And that's not because I played on them. I just think that they got their finger out and wrote a lot of really, really good songs. Yes. Yeah, the last album, Bish Bash Boss, is great. I mean, I prefer Death in Soho, personally, but there's still really good songs on everything, you know. Hmm. Oh, excellent. Well, I'll, I'll um, do some more little research on that. But that's good. That's good. And well, look, I hope I hope all this year goes well. You've got all these dates you've, I've just been looking at. That's sort of it's going to be April that uh, things start to roll on again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got Sweden in uh, April as well for four or five gigs. Crikey. They're not, they're not on there at the moment. They're just firming those right up. And then we might be doing some German dates later in the year, November. But not a lot. We only do four or five or six, get flown in and flown out. We would never get in a van again and tour all over Europe. No way. Yeah. Do you have sort of um, backups just in case any of the members just think, actually, I can't do this next couple of weeks because of, you know... Oh, no, no, we never do a gig, obviously, without Nick or Guy Days, you know, on guitar. We would never do that. If one of them could, uh, you know, became too ill to play, that's the end of the band. Because right. You've got to remember, I'm not an original. We've always got a pool of drummers. You know, we've got five or six drummers that have played for us. But Stuart Meadows does most of them. He can't do them all. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, since I've been in the group for 32 years, I've played every single gig, you know. Fantastic. Just, it's but, t- no, no, no. I mean, no, without Guy and Nick is not, never going to happen. No. Because I did notice... Or, it's you. You're still getting a phenomenal amount of plays on Spotify, aren't you? I don't know. You know, I don't make any money from songs that Nick and Guy have written. No, but um, the band. Are you getting new audiences? You know, who are just discovering the band for the first time. Yeah, that happens. Of course, it does. But in general, it's people who are. You know, uh, I mean, we do get people saying, "Oh." My dad loves you, that's why I love you, I was brought up with you. Or 
one case, my granddad. <laughs> but the funny thing about it is, they, oh, well, where is your dad? Why is he not at the gig? Oh, he thinks he's too old. He's, he's playing darts tonight, you know. I said, bloody hell, he, how old is he? Oh, he's 60. He said, well, he ain't as old as us, and we're playing. Let us, why does... You know, a lot of people think, oh, God, I can't go to that. It's too, I'm too old for all that, you know. But yeah. Yeah, we get, get all sorts of people, but they are generally, you know, sort of mid-50s mid or early 50s up into their 60s. You know, that, that's the way it is. That's the era the group's from, isn't it, really? Well, absolutely, I know, but it's uh, that, that's absolutely true. So, um, no, but look, this has been amazing. Thank you ever so much for giving me the time for this. This has been fantastic. And um, when I put it out, I can always send you a link, and you can always put it on. Yeah, your... please do. Where are you based, Dave? Norwich. Have you have you no, ever... have you played much in Norwich? Yeah, we played the King Billy, and we played. Oh God. Oh, God, my memory is so bad at these things. Yeah, we played Norwich several, yeah, quite a number of times. We've done the waterfront. That's right, yes. Um, but we haven't played it for a long time. The nearest we're playing to there is Ipswich. Dear old Ipswich, yeah. I saw you've got some Ipswich things. Yeah, well, look, well, uh, thank... Oh, sorry, what was that? Yeah, it's all right. You, all the best. Thanks very much for uh, yeah. Being in touch. Well, no. thank you. And uh, look, all the best for the year. And take care. Yeah, all See, the best to you as well. We See, got there in the end. We did. Fantastic. I know technology rocks. Okay, take care there. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, bye bye. Bye bye. And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview. A massive uh, thank you to sometimes Arthur or. Arturo. As you can see, we, um, yes, we had a little bit of problems at the beginning with Zoom, which didn't work, but then we used the mobile and that did. So anyway, and there was one or two little glitches, but hey, hey ho, who cares? Um, a massive thank you for the interview and time for that. This has been the C86 show. I know, rock and roll. Um, if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 show. Keep it positive, keep it groovy. And um, also, all these have been archived. Mm, aren't you lucky? So you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam. It's true. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.